His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. And your love oh, yeah, it might be a little bit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to cram this into 30 minutes. If I'm a couple minutes late, please check your rotten fruit at the door, because I don't want to get pelted with it. Okay, so this is the third and final installment of the thing that I started, I don't know, a month and a half ago or a month ago, whatever it was. Um, this is something that that God has just laid on my heart, and um, it was really cool because uh, <clears throat> when, I, when I started it, you know, I didn't know how it was going to unfold, um, so I'm, you know, it's all been kind of new to me too, so uh, I'm getting it the same time you are, um, but but on the last uh, session, I said um, I was going to wrap it up this time. And so when I got home, I, I don't know, a day or two later, I started panicking because I'm like, okay, God, I got to have something to wrap that up with because I don't have a clue what you're going to do. I, I know what I'm feeling, but I don't have anything. So you kind of get desperate, and, and, uh, and he always comes through because he's good. Uh, so just to recap quickly, um, last week or two weeks ago, we talked about um, – that Isaac did not rest on his father's laurels, but worked and continued to prosper until he was very wealthy in his own right. Remember that? And then we also talked about Jacob left uh, Uncle Laban very wealthy, um, and yet he still wrestled with God for a blessing. And so there was something, a, a different kind of blessing that he was looking for. He wasn't looking for, for wealth. He was already incredibly wealthy when he left him. Um, but he wanted something to change in his heart, and that's when God touched his hip and, uh, but this is what God said to him. He said, um, I, I said, Jacob uh, wrestled for something that was uh, much deeper than material wealth. And God finally asked him, what is your name? Or you could word it another way. What is your identity or how are you perceived in the earth? And that's what this is really about. Um, Jacob knew that he was perceived. He knew his own character by this point. He was perceived as a supplanter, as a, as a conniver, a manipulator. And he wanted that, that changed in his heart. He wanted, his, he wanted that perception of him to be changed into something holy. And that's why God had to ask him, what is your name? And that's what Jacob meant, supplanter. But he said, no, uh, from this day forward, you will not be known as Jacob anymore, but you'll be known as Israel. Um, do you remember that? And then he crossed over the, um, the river Jabbok, I think it was. Okay, so um, just wanted to touch real quick on a couple things here with regards to, um, to Isaac. Um, uh, at this point, uh, Abraham has just passed away, and Isaac... Um, this is Genesis 26, 27 through 29. Isaac said to them, uh, I mean, Isaac now at this point has, has been living in the land of the Philistines again. He sowed in the, in the middle of a famine, and he reaped a hundredfold. Remember that? hundredfold blessing in the middle of a famine God blessed him with. Um, now, remember, he had already moved into this land with all of the blessing of Abraham already, all the inheritance from Abraham. 
And yet this is what happened. As he began to prosper, he continued to prosper. And then finally the king, Abimelech, had come, and to, uh, come to him and said, um, you know, we want to make a treaty with you. And so he had already, he'd already been fighting at this point over the different wells. He had to dug, uh, dig several wells because the uh, servants of Abimelech kept filling them in and, and saying, this is our territory, not yours, etc. So they come, uh, Abimelech and his general come over to Isaac, and Isaac said, um, why have you come to me since you, have, uh, since you hate me and have sent me away from you? And at the end of that passage, um, this is what uh, they said. They said, but they said, we have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, let, now, uh, let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm since we have not touched you and since we have done nothing to you but good and have sent you away in peace. And this is the part I want to key on. For, I mean, and this is what Abimelech said to him, you are now the blessed of the Lord. In other words, it's no longer your father who's already passed away. You now are the blessed of the Lord. This is what he said to Isaac. This is because, because Abimelech saw the favor of God on Isaac's life. And, and a couple things happened. He was both jealous and afraid. Okay, um, And they were jealous, and that was one of the reasons they were fighting with Isaac. But they were also afraid at this point because they saw that God's favor was on his life. And Jacob then, Jacob goes on to bless Pharaoh before he dies. In the book of Hebrews, we're told regarding Melchizedek that the inferior is blessed by the superior. Now, Pharaoh, at this time, Joseph has already become second in command of Egypt. Um, you know the story. They bring the family down, and Pharaoh gets to meet Jacob. Pharaoh is the most powerful man on the face of the earth at this time. The, the nation of Egypt was the most powerful nation on the face of the earth at this time. Pharaoh is the king. He's, he was like a god to them, okay? And yet, and, and remember what I just said, the superior blesses the inferior, and yet Jacob blessed Pharaoh. So, so you got the, you, I want you to see this picture. You got the most powerful man on the face of the earth being blessed by a shepherd, why? Because Pharaoh saw the true God in the middle of uh, Jacob's life, in the middle of Joseph's life. He saw that there was one true God, obviously. Now, they had all of these gods in Egypt, and yet Pharaoh allowed Jacob to bless him. Okay? So just hang on to that. In, in the last session, I told you that faith without works is dead, right? And, and we talked about Isaac, and we talked about Jacob both having their eyes on God, that, that they were putting God first. It wasn't just about the material wealth. But I also told you at that point that I would share an example um, of the opposite, too, that works without faith is also dead. So that's what I want to do real quick. <clears throat> um, this is uh, the story of David and Nabal. And this is in 1 Samuel um, chapter 25. Then Samuel died, and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him at his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Now there was a man. Now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. He had three thousand sheep and a thousand goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. 
but the man was harsh and evil in his doings. Nabal means fool. That's what that name means. It was probably a nickname at this point, and it was probably given to this man because of his, his um, just like with Jacob, because of what he was known as, okay? It was his identity. Um, so uh, at this point, David, um, his, his uh, troops, that light's coming right in my eyes, um, his troops had been out in the wilderness running from Saul, remember, living in caves. And so at this point, his, his uh, troops were, um, were in this area where Nabal was, uh, was raising his sheep and shearing his sheep, and they were protecting his shepherds. Um, they were out there providing for them, protecting uh, his shepherds, etc. And 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 you got to keep in mind now, uh, the whole country of Judah, in fact, the whole country of Israel, knew about David at this point. David had already slain uh, Goliath. He was already. Uh, they were already singing songs about him. They already knew that he had been anointed to be king, and they knew that Saul was after him, and that they were they were going to kill him. So David's men are hungry, and he's asking. Uh, he sent servants of his over to Nabal to ask uh, if Nabal could help him out, you know, provide some food and stuff. Um, because we've taken care or we've guarded your shepherds, we would like it if you would, you know, give us, share some of your bread with us and, uh, and help feed my men. And this is what Nabal said. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break, uh, break away each from his master. And so, um, basically, what's going on here is Nabal is mocking David, okay? Now, this is a man who's very rich, and you, you need to understand that God causes it to rain on the just and the unjust, okay? He gives um, individual people gifts and callings, whether they ever use them for him or not. And Nabal was one of these men. Nabal was clearly a gifted businessman. He clearly knew how to increase his flocks. He clearly knew how to do that. He was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep, but he was a scoundrel. And not one time did he ever, is there any indication that he ever put his trust in God? Not once. So the rain is caused to, I mean, God causes it to rain on the just and the unjust, um, Nabal was able to prosper, but there's a scripture in the New Testament says, what does it prosper a man? Jesus said this, what does it prosper a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So you know how the story goes. Um, David, at this point, the servants come back to tell him. David's furious. He tells all his men, strap on your swords. We're going down there, and we're going to kick some serious tail. And, uh, and they were going to wipe out Nabal and everybody in his household, all the men in his household. But Abigail, remember, it said she was a woman of uh, beauty and good understanding. She got wind of it through one of the servants. And so um, she knew how her husband was. So she loaded up uh, several donkeys, and they took you know all kinds of gifts and favor um, that they could win with David. And she snuck uh, you know on the downside of the hill, so Nabal couldn't see her. She snuck away and went to meet with David. And this is the this is the character of this woman. So when she caught up with David, he's already on his way in there to wipe out Nabal and all of his uh, the men in his household. So she fell at his feet and said. On me, my Lord, on me, let this iniquity be. Now, what kind of godly character is that? Here's a woman who, who was not guilty of this trespass against David. This is a woman who um, I'm sure probably suffered daily 
under the, um, you know, un, uh, just being married to this guy, under the abuse of this guy. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't easy, but she had wisdom and she had humility. And so she falls at David's feet and says, if you're going to punish somebody, punish me. Let it be my fault. Um, and so then she goes on to talk to him about it. And then this this gives you proof that the whole world uh, I mean, the whole area at this time already knew the story about David. They already knew that he was going to be exalted into this place um, of, uh, of the uh, new king of Israel. And this is what she said. This is uh, Samuel 25, starting in verse um, 28. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling, in reference to what he had already done with Goliath. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord, she's talking to David here, according to all the good he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Egypt, I mean Israel. Um, so the reason I wanted to share that is because I wanted you to understand that um, she knew uh, the prophecies of David. She knew who she was dealing with, and so did Nabal. So anyway, you know the story. She goes back then. David has mercy on her, and he thanks her uh, for, um, for her wisdom in keeping him from avenging himself. He was going to go on in there and wipe out Nabal and all the men and avenge himself. But what did God do? He said, no, David, I'm going to send this woman who has great wisdom to you, and I'm going to stop you. And she said that very thing. you know. And then David said it again, that by your hand, the Lord has stayed my anger in so many words. He, is, he, is, um, he has saved me from reproaching my own kingdom by your hand, by what you've done. And so David was very appreciative of her. So then Abigail goes back and she tells Nabal, he's drunk that first night, so she doesn't say anything. She go back, goes back and tells him um, what happened. And what happened, as soon as those words came out of her mouth, he either had a stroke or a heart attack, and he was dead within 10 days. And then Abigail becomes David's wife. So, so here again is a picture, just like with Isaac and just like with Jacob. They submitted to God. They let God work this righteousness in their heart. Now, David had already been anointed king. And you know the story where uh, two different occasions he caught Saul in a cave. He could have taken Saul's life just like that. But in his heart of hearts, he said, I will not exalt myself. I will not establish myself in this earth. I will let God do it. And he said, I will not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. So, so this is the character that um, God is building up in David. And the thing that stuck out to me about this is um, Solomon was probably the richest man on the face of the earth ever, if you put it in today's dollars, okay? Um, and hardly anybody knows about Solomon. Uh, Solomon is his other than you know a little bit about his wealth, but nobody ever talks about the inheritance of Solomon. And um, and Ethan even shared that one time. You know how Solomon's heart was all about you know the the prosperity and all of that, and he's never shared on. But to this day, we're given David as an example of how to serve the Lord. Why? Because his heart was what God was after. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna fast forward. I think we're gonna make it here. Um, 
So I've already shared with you basically how to be, the examples that I've given you, and then I've already shared with you how not to be. That would be navel, okay? Definitely you don't want to be a navel. Um, but now I'm, I want to get at what is the whole purpose. What was, remember I kept saying that there is a reason that the blessings of Abraham are, are ours. There is a reason that God has done this, okay? Um, uh, these things are part of, um, of God's unfolding story. And let me see how I'm going to do it first. Okay. So I'm going to read you a dream that I had on February 14th. <clears throat> this was after I prayed that I would have something to share with you for the last one. Okay. So this is God's mercy. So I dreamed I was working in a store with a young man. As we were walking out of the store, this was like a, like a Walmart or a you know, Home Depot or something like that. As we were walking out of the store, um, perhaps at the end of our shift, he began to tell me that he noticed whenever I spoke, even if it was with something I didn't necessarily know anything about, and he used an example of a computer chip with a customer that had brought a, a computer chip to me, um, and I told that customer, um, you know, very confidently that we're going to make this right for you. We're going to take care of this for you. So anyway, he said, um, he began to tell me that he noticed whenever I spoke, even if it was something I didn't necessarily know anything about, um, and he used an example of a computer chip or something on those lines, when I spoke, it carried great authority and a type of matter-of-factness. When he finished, I told him that it was God's anointing for leadership. He was very receiving of this. When we got into my car, I began to tell him he was precious in the eyes of God, and he began to feel and get completely overwhelmed by the weighty presence of God. He literally started slumping down in the passenger seat. I told him he could accept God when he was ready, but he shouldn't wait too long in case he was to die soon without knowing him. We began to drive away, and he started telling me that many others like me uh, seemed to always invite him places on Sundays. I told him it was God chasing him down. As we drove, I saw the most beautiful, pure rock mountain range I had ever seen. We were, uh, we were very close as it was right outside my window along the highway. These solid rock peaks were many colors, mostly dark and rich in shades. Buildings stood that had been carved or chiseled out of separate mountain peaks. Um, one was a beautiful church in it, um, like, like the old uh, churches in Europe, carved out of a single mountain peak. I believe it was purple. The view was stunning, and at one point we were out of the car again looking up at was apparently the highway that we had been driving across, also carved out of uh, a stone mountain. It was, it was a single highway carved out of a single piece of mountain. Um, I made the comment looking up, can you believe how deep we are? And then I woke up. So, so I, I just kind of pondered on that, and I'm like, you know, what does that have to do with this? And I believe this is the interpretation that I got. I feel like this dream represents who we are to be in the world. Authority comes with character as we are being displayed as God's representatives on the earth. Our authority and stately beauty is not an ornate beauty per se. This church that was carved out of a single mountain peak, this was, this was not built stone upon stone, it was literally carved out of a single mountain peak was like a like a one of the castles that you would see in Europe and it was deep rich purple 
um, but it wasn't ornate. It wasn't, you know, glittery or any of that, but it was stately. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, so our authority in stately beauty is not an ornate beauty, per se, but rather a regal, calm, and resolute beauty, a picture of the blessing and prosperity of the Lord in our lives, designed to draw people ultimately to the Lord. The whole reason God chose Abraham and called out a separate people for himself was and is about redeeming mankind and the rest of creation. The blessings of Abraham, and, and pay attention to that because that word is plural, blessings, not just blessing, it's not just monetary. The blessings of Abraham are not just financial, but really include the total favor of God on our lives, both because he loves us and wants to bless us, but also because in the big, big picture of redemption, we are literally on display in order to draw the whole world to Jesus Christ. This is why it's critical for us to let God work his character into our lives that we might be found faithful to represent his glory in all the earth. And this is what God was showing me in that, that literally we are that church. The bedrock is God, but we are literally carved out of the mountain peak. Now, it was interesting in that dream. There was three buildings in that dream. One was this church. One um, looked like an office building, like commerce like business and the other one was like a hotel and all three of them were carved out of these peaks and the other peaks were still just rugged peaks it's interesting to me that those are three areas that god has called me in in my life um, obviously all of us are called to be that church but he's also called me in business and he's also given kim and i a gift of hospitality and that's what the hotel would represent but every one of those were literally carved out of a single mountain peak. And, and what God was showing me with this, with the life of Isaac, with the like, uh, life of Jacob and, and David and all of the heroes of the faith, is that because they let God work his work in their hearts, he, they were literally being on display in order to draw all men unto himself. Jesus said that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. When we prosper, when we have excellence in all things, it literally, um, it literally displays the favor of God on our lives, and it causes men and women to be curious, to be pulled into what we have, to be pulled into what God has done for us. Now, this is really cool. In, in uh, Matthew um, chapter 5, um, it says, verse 16, it says, let your, line so, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So, so um, this prosperity that I'm talking about is not just a financial. You may, be, you may be called to be wealthy. You might not. But you are called to prosper in every area of your life because you're on display now this is a weighty thing it's a it's a very sobering thing when you think that my actions in the earth literally can make it or break it for somebody else to be called to the lord i mean that's pretty weighty that's a pretty heavy responsibility now i'm not saying that that we're perfect in and of ourselves obviously it's by our submitting to the lord and letting him work his character through us that we become that 
that mountain peak that's carved into his church that is um, something that draws people. It's not our own perfection, so don't, don't misunderstand me. It's by us submitting to the work of God that we get to be drawn into that. But I'm telling you, after I began to understand this and study this, it's really made me slow down and check how my attitude appears out in public. If I'm frustrated, if I'm angry, if I'm in a hurry and things aren't going my way, how do I respond? Do I respond in kindness? Do I respond in love? Do I let what God's worked in my heart come out? Or am I just angry? Am I, do I lash out at these people? Because I'm a picture of the glory of God, and so are you. And this matters how we act. It matters. It matters for eternity. It matters in the kingdom. Every word of man will be judged, whether it was good or not. Every word. And that's not just the world. That's Christians. Every single word that we utter will be judged. Okay? That's a sobering thing. But it's also a blessing because God has chosen to partner with us. Uh, with us. So uh, when I'm <laughs> when I'm praying through this thing, you know, what am I going to share? How's this going to work? Um, I, and then you know, I get all of this, and I have the dream, and I'm starting to get revelation on it. You know how the enemy does? He comes in, and and all of a sudden, I'm saying, "Am I just stupid? Does this make a lick of sense? You know, is there anything to this?" And all of a sudden. Um, out of nowhere, Kim and I were going to Bloomington for something. We said, let's, let's listen to a podcast. So we listened to Bill Johnson. And guess what he taught on? Exactly the same thing. And you know what the title of his message is? What We Owe the World. And he said in that message that we have a, a responsibility, an obligation to prosper in everything that we do because we literally are an example of God's favor, did it not? And I listened to it again just to make sure <laughs> Saturday, you know, because I'm still sweating bullets. And he said that very thing. And the scripture that God gave him for that was Psalm 67. Now, and this is what Psalm 67 says. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth your salvation among all nations. Literally, it, he's, they're saying in this, in this prayer, God bless us so that your name and your way will be known in all the earth. See what I'm getting at? And, and uh, uh, if you guys remember, I don't remember how long ago it was. I'd totally forgotten about it, but Tracy either had a dream or a prophetic word that Psalm 67 was significant to us in that season. Do you remember that? She shared it from up front, and it was, it was all about that, and I had totally forgotten that. I didn't even find that scripture when I was you know, putting this together, um, but it's the same scripture, really, as Matthew um, 5.16, about letting your light shine before men so that they will glorify your Father in heaven. We're called, literally, to be a shining example of the love of God and that and like I said that's a pretty that's a pretty tall order to feel we can't do it in ourselves but we can say God I know you've worked this work in me I know you've done this thing and I can uh, slow down take a deep breath and let you come out of me instead of me coming out of me um, because I'm telling you it matters you never know 
when a word of encouragement might be the very thing, just like this young man in my dream. I wasn't trying to be anything. I was just going about my daily chores, my daily business in this company, being who I am, letting God come out of me, and it drew him. He, he noticed. I didn't have to say anything to, me, uh, to him. He noticed, wow, every time you speak, there's this authority that you carry. And I was able to share the Lord with him. What would it be if you went into a restaurant and somebody's having a hard day and you just, you just spoke a kind word to them and blessed them? Do you think that might bring them into the kingdom? Maybe they're right on the edge. Maybe, maybe your attitude is what's going to be tipping them in or out in, in the course of a day. Maybe you have a responsibility to let God work his excellence in you. In Proverbs it says, See a man skilled in his work, he shall stand before kings. This work that we're skilled in is not just our occupation. It's, this, it's the work of becoming Christ-like. I want to stand before kings. I don't know about you. I want to be that, that rock mountain church. We're already that. And the other thing, the last thing that was significant about that dream is that we had dug deep into that foundation, that mountain. Remember, all of this is carved out of a single stone or a single mountain. It was solid rock. But when I said to him, we were looking up, and I said, wow, look at how deep we are. That was the carving um, that we had done because we allowed God to work in us, that we studied his word, that we prayed, that we said, God, I hate those things that are, um, you know, that are sinful or bad attitudes in my life. I want you to take those things out of me. God, I surrender my life to you today. Every time you do that, you dig and you dig deeper and deeper. And pretty soon we're at the bottom of that, you know, in this huge rock hole, looking up at the glory of God. And that, and that to me was the whole purpose of, of this tithe message that went into three days, okay, uh, is that God, we need to God, let God do this work in us so that we can be that mountain, so that people will come to him because of us. Does that make sense? Okay, that's it. And I finished right on the money. I do want to offer the a prayer also, though, if if anybody um, is you know is feeling in their heart that you know God, I I want this, I want more of this, I want to know this better, um, I want to understand the the deep things of God. I want you to work this work in my life, uh, and I know you probably already pray that, but if you're wanting me to pray with you. I'd be glad to. You can you can come up afterwards, and, and I'll be glad to lay hands on you and, and pray. There's um, there's something in this season that God is doing. There's an impartation that He's allowing in this season to to move us to the next level. And it's it's intercessory, um, it's worship, um, it, it's character building. It's a lot of things. But you know, if you if you would like prayer for that, I'll be up here. So, thanks. Thank you for listening to this message. Yeah.